And I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, we're going to drill down on verses 19 and 20 this morning. Before uh, we get into that, I want to thank Lita again for that little piece on our history. It was interesting just to hear about the last 25 years, right? And I don't know about you, but I feel tired just listening to all that we've done in the last 25 years. I've got to, be, I've got to have a front row seat to watch you guys at work and watch the Lord at work for the last almost 19 of those 25 years, and it's been a, a joy and a privilege to be your pastor. Um, Lena's got a table back there with all kinds of things for you to look through. Uh, there's some really fascinating stuff out there, some um, uh, minutes from meetings from 1892, 1893, uh, in, uh, some of that in English, a lot of it in Swedish, okay? You know, we had preaching in, in Swedish for the first 60 years of, uh, of, our, of our life as a church. Till 1952, all the preaching was in Swedish. Okay? I'm not going to preach in Swedish this morning, uh, just as a throwback, don't worry. But uh, we've only had preaching in English for just a little bit over half of our history, since 1952. Just think about that. I think, Lita, when you talked about uh, 50 years ago, I wonder about the seven babies born in the last year here, and what if the Lord tarries, what, the, what kind of a church they'll find 50 years from now, you know, in, in uh, 20, whatever that is, 67. I don't do math very well. So, um, the, in, On the table, there's a bunch of pictures of people. Some of those people you'll know, and some of those people you don't. Um, and Lita, is it okay to say, if you know who they are, turn over to the back and write their name on it. And if you know the occasion... Write that on the back of the, of the, of the picture as well, because we want, we're, over time we're going to lose knowledge of who some of those people are. Um, I think one of the things that's the saddest is to think about how many of those people we've lost in this time. You know, they were here, and now they're with the Lord, and we're still connected through, through Christ, but we don't get to worship with each other this morning. Some of the people on there, uh, you've aged a little bit since the, your picture was taken. Uh, some of you uh, are, are on there. Um, and you want to look back and look back and, and, and have some of those memories. Um, some of the folks uh, on those pictures uh, are in Florida right now. Uh, Wally and Nesta are in Florida, and Dave and Dottie are in Florida. And I had contact with both of them this week, and they both send their greetings. Wally sent this note. Good morning, Matt. The weather is nice here. The sun is shining. High expected today is 80. And we should be able to, uh, and we should be able to enjoy it. Uh, give the people our love at church and tell them we love being there, but I believe we like being better here for this time. Really miss you all. Thanks for the news. Keep us informed. God is blessing here also. It's wonderful that God has no boundaries wherever people serve him. He blesses them. God bless you all, Wally and Nesta. So, um, it seems like there was one more thing I wanted to say about the history piece, but I can't think of what it was. So, if you found Ephesians 5... Oh, that is, it's in your bulletin. There's a little note in your bulletin about, we're going to do more on our history in October, October 7th and 8th. We're going to have a, a couple special days of events, an open house and a special service. President of the Free Church, uh, Kevin Complin and his wife Becky, are going to be with us, uh, and uh, we're going to have uh, some special events. And we'd like to invite people uh, from our past uh, for that open house and to be with us. So if there's somebody you would like, oh, it'd be great if so-and-so could make it for that. Uh, don't worry, Rosella has already been told and she's already set it aside on her calendar to be with us. 
But uh, anybody else uh, uh, that you'd like to send, put their name, contact information if you have it, in, uh, and give it to Marilyn so that we make sure that they get invited uh, to that list. It'll be open for anybody, but if there's some specific people that you would like to see invited to that, we'd like to do that uh, for them as well. So have you found it, Ephesians 5, 19 and 20? This is one of our messages in this Gospel Roots series that we're doing uh, from time to time all through the year to go back over our core values as a church. Um, we're going to drill down on Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 this morning. But first I wanted to do some historical research just here in this room. Okay, So I've got some questions for our historians. Lita, you didn't know there's going to be a quiz today. And Sue, I see you. You've been one of our historians. You ready for this? Vera skipped this morning. I don't know about that. She might have known that she was going to get called on. Anybody else, if you know this uh, answer to this question, please answer it. Has anybody here ever been to a Sunday morning worship gathering of Lance Free Church where there was no congregational singing? Has any, have you run across that in your history? No? Anybody? Is anybody? I was once at a free church worship service where they didn't sing. Okay? It was a solemn assembly. And they were specifically fasting, praying, and there was no singing. Okay? It wasn't on a Sunday morning. I've never seen it. Has anybody? Anybody remember? Uh, when Vera started at the church, all the preaching was in Swedish, right? Sunday school for the kids was in English, but the preaching and the singing was in Swedish. Did they sing every Sunday? I think they did. This church was birthed in song, and the tradition continues. Now think about that for just a little bit. That's 125 years. How many Sundays is that? Calculators are getting pulled out, right? It's over 6,000, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's at least 6,500 worship services. 6,500 Sundays, give or take a few. Maybe a few Sundays were canceled because of snow and bad weather, though knowing this hardy bunch, they just came to church anyway. Some years have 53 Sundays in them, right? Every once in a while you get a year with 53 Sundays. So it's around 6,500 Sundays, and every single one of them features singing. I'll bet there's some of those that they didn't have preaching. Maybe there was nobody that was ready for that, or the testimonies just went on and on, and you never got to the sermon. There's been Sundays where we didn't have a sermon. We had a report from missionaries, but every single one of them had singing. Here's the title for our Gospel Roots message for today. It is, Sing. If someone asks you what was the point of the sermon today, it should be a pretty easy one for you to answer. Tell them God wants Christians to sing. Sing! Singing is not optional for Christians. It's actually commanded, and it has been from the beginning. Have you found Ephesians 5? This is Paul's letter about the Gospel that he sent to the Christians in and around Ephesus. The first three chapters of Ephesians is about the amazing plan of the Gospel. How God has planned the entire story of the world around the good news of Jesus Christ. And how that good news of Jesus Christ is about grace. Dave Catanzaro talked about that last week. It's a Gospel of grace. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, verses 8 and 9, it's by grace you're saved. Not by good works, but for good works. But by grace. 
Paul takes three solid chapters to unpack that concept. And then he gives us three solid chapters of application. The so what of the Gospel truth. Implications for our lives. And in chapter 5, in that so what section, he says that one of the applications of the Gospel is that we live differently than we used to. And differently than the world around us does. The world lives foolishly, but we understand what the Lord's will is. The world gets drunk on wine and other spirits which lead to debauchery, but we come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that influence leads us to live differently, including if and how and when we sing. Let's read our two verses in their near context. I'm going to jump up to verse 17 and read through verse 21 because it's all one paragraph in the Greek. Therefore, because of the Gospel, Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit. What's that look like? Here's our verses. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank You for our birthday. For giving us 125 years as of tomorrow when, they, when that group of Christians said, we're going to covenant together and have a local church. And they got organized and they started holding services. And, and here we are 125 years later. Thank You for that. Lord, Everything of the foundation that they gave us, all those roots that were just full of the gospel that we're reading about here in Ephesians, we pray would would come out of us as fruit, as those green leaves on the picture. That, That what they were, we would be. Not because we'll look exactly the same or do it the same way, we won't. Theirs was in Swedish, for example. And they met in a different location even than we do today but because we have the same jesus in common the same root system lord produce in us the same kind of fruit and lord teach us this thing we're looking at here so that as we leave here we will more than ever before sing we pray it in the name of jesus amen this church has always had singing I stole these books from the display cabinet out there. Yesterday, I told Lee I did that. She was like, oh good, I wondered if there was something missing. This is, uh, the pages are almost falling apart. The front cover's gone. In this one, the pages are falling apart. They're in order, but they, they don't, they're not still bound. These are the, uh, the old Swedish songbooks. Um, these were the ones that were in the pews. The little one was in the pews. It just has words in it, okay? And then this one, the organist or the pianist had and it has the words and the music, okay? Um, now, I can't read Swedish, so I'm not going to uh, tell you what this says. Uh, I'm not going to try to read any of these, but there's, a, there's like 700 songs in here. A few in English are in the back here that we do know. Uh, Just as I am, uh, abide with me, Jesus, lover of my soul, my faith looks up to thee. Here's the doxology. All hail the power, holy, holy, holy. So there's some even here in this that we know. This church has always had singing because the church has always had 
singing. Did you hear that in Ephesians 5? It's a command. It's, it's not an optional. There's, it's not an option. There's, there's no loopholes in those verses. It doesn't say, only sing if you want to. Only sing if you like to. Only sing if you've got a good singing voice. My friend Byron Harvey is wont to say, if God has given you a great singing voice, then sing loud and lead people. But if God has not gifted you with a great voice, then sing loud anyways and get even with Him. Somebody once told me that the Bible says, make a joyful noise on purpose. It doesn't say the noise has to be pretty. But it does say sing. Christians sing. And they sing together. These commands in Ephesians 5 are plural. They're for the whole church. They're not just for the singers or the leaders. We call these folks up here the lead worshipers. right? But they're not the only worshipers. We all sing. One of the commitments we have in our worship philosophy here at Lance Free Church is that the most important instrument in our music ministry is the human voice of the congregation raised in song. Now, I love what our instrumentalists do. Keyboards, guitars, drums when we can find somebody to do it, organ when we had one. That's biblical. The Psalms are full of musical notation for instruments. Don't get me wrong. But both the Old and New Testament emphasize as a priority song. Christians singing together. That's why nearly every Sunday we go a cappella. Or as Blair used to call it, acapoco. Voices only. Why do we do that? Because it sounds cool? Yeah. But more than that, because it's what God wants. He wants us to sing. You know that was lost in the church, right? During the Middle Ages. There was a little bit of music in the church during the Middle Ages, like Gregorian chants. And that, that sort of thing. More done by choirs and, and priests, and monks, nuns, but not by the congregation, not by the church. You didn't go to church to sing. It wasn't until the Reformation that congregational singing was restored to the churches. Last week I was at Trinity for our EFCA theology conference and we were learning about the legacy of the Reformation in the free churches. And one of the things the last speaker talked about was how congregational singing like we do today was one of our reformational inheritances that came over to the States with the old Swedes. But Martin Luther and John Calvin didn't come up with that on their own. They were rediscovering it from the Bible. They were going back to places like Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 and saying, hey, we should be doing this. We should be doing that in church. We should be singing. And that's why we do it. Because Christians sing together. And you're like, man, pastor, you're really digging for it. We know this. We do this all the time. But just think about it. This is why we do it. It's not just something we always do and we're just going to do it because we've always done it that way. It's because this is what Christians do. I've got four points this morning from these two verses. And they're all about how we should be singing. Here's number one. Sing to each other and to the Lord. Did you catch that in verse 19? It's easy to miss. You might fly right over it. But there are two different audiences for our singing, and both are commanded in verse 19. Speak to one another, one another, 
with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. You notice both of those audiences? We're supposed to sing to the Lord. That's the obvious one. How many times do we say, sing another verse, sing it to the Lord, right? But it also says to each other. Now, verse 19 does say, speak it to one another. But I don't think that means that it's like a, a, a poetry reading. You know, don't sing the, the psalms at one another. Speak them. I think it means say them to one another. When you're singing, direct them at one another. You're to sing for the benefit of the people around you. Why? Because we need to hear this stuff that we're singing. We need to hear this stuff we're singing. That's why we have to sing the good stuff. You know, I love how that our church never fell into the worship wars. A lot of churches have split over whether or not to have hymns or choruses. Whether or not to have drums or no drums. Whether to have instruments or no instruments. Old songs or new songs. We just do them all. Now, I know we don't always get the balance the way everybody wants. Some of you tell me privately that we don't sing nearly enough old hymns. And some of you tell me privately we don't sing nearly enough new stuff. Everybody's got their preferences and we'll never hit the balance right for everybody every time. But we just sing everything. But we do insist that that on what we sing is that we sing good lyrics to most of our songs. We need to sing good theology. And here's why. Because we're singing to each other. Now, if we were just singing to God, we could sing some pretty wrong stuff and it probably wouldn't have any effect because He knows what's right. But if we're singing to one another, we need to be singing some pretty right stuff and we need to be listening to what we sing to each other. In fact, we're singing the Word. That's how Paul put it in the sister verse to this one in Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Ooh, teach and admonish. Did you ever think that when you got up on a Sunday and you opened your hymnal and you started to sing that you were teaching? That you were admonishing? That's what we're supposed to be doing when we're singing. It's one of the reasons why we have special music. How many here, here's another question, audience participation, how many of you here have gotten up and sung to the rest of the church at some point in your life? Choir? We've had multiple choirs here. Celebration Choir is the newest incarnation. And thank you, Amy Joe, for leading us. I remember Tom Hampton leading a choir uh, when, when I first got here, and, and Blair leading a choir. I remember a, a, being in a, a gospel quartet with Jerry Riker, Jess Benton, Wally Kephart, Blair Murray, and, and, and myself. Is that a quartet? That's five guys. We fit it in there, shoot it in there somehow. Kids for Christ recognition night, right? All the kids get up on stage and sing at us, right? Offertories, special music. Okay, ready? I want you to raise your hand if you have sung from up here that direction. Yes, you have. That's right. Amen. Thank you for doing that. You know what you were doing? You were obeying Ephesians 5.19. Whatever the style of music. And that's why I think he has all three of those here. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Did you hear he said it again in Colossians? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now those three categories overlap. Scholars aren't exactly sure what the difference was between those three. Psalms is clearly the Old Testament Psalms, right? The Israelite top 40 radio, right? Or top 150 radio. 
But the word is also used for other songs outside of the Psalter. Hymns, then, are praise songs probably written beforehand. That's more like the, the songs that we sing in our hymnal. Uh, songs about Jesus, like in Philippians 2 and Colossians 1 and 1 Timothy 3, are probably written hymns that were used in singing. We, we, we can't be certain about the exact uh, working out of what each of these are. And then spiritual songs are probably more like songs made up on the spot. More spontaneous songs that the Christians were creating more extemporaneously as they gathered for worship. Now, we're not exactly sure. I think that all three of these are here to convey the whole enchilada. The full gamut of worship songs are at our disposal and should be used, both old and new. Don't get stuck on the old. Don't forget the old. Don't get stuck on the new, but sing a new song. We don't sing hardly any of the songs in this old hymnal, but they were wonderful for their time. Some of them we still sing today, and in fact will sing today by the end of the service. And we sing them to each other. When you sing here, sing for the benefit of the people around you. Now listen to me. I really don't care if it sounds good. Okay? As your pastor, I am now telling you, you have my permission to sound terrible when you sing. But sing. I'm asking you to sing. You shouldn't care how it sounds either. Care if what you sing is good and if you mean it. And care that the people around you hear those good truths about the love of God so rich and pure. About how we are more than conquerors through Christ. About how we can bless God in the good times and the bad times. About how great is our God. Sing. And of course we sing to the Lord as well, right? I mean, He is the primary audience of our songs. We're really the secondary audience. He is the primary audience of our songs. So many of our songs are prayers, aren't they? Now, I will do a whole sermon in this Gospel Root series on prayer because this church was built on prayer. It's in our roots. But one form of prayer is congregational singing. When everybody agrees and they tell God how great He is. Not just, how great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, but how great Thou art. Sing that with me. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. And the most important thing when singing it to God is to mean it. That's point number two. Sing your heart out. And by that I mean sing from your heart out. Look again at verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music. What's it say? In your heart to the Lord. Or that could be translated with your heart. It's not saying keep the singing inside. Just only sing in here. I'm singing inside. Trust me. Right? It's saying that the singing needs to start here and come out. It needs to go inside out. 
but not just out. You know, it's possible to sing in church every Sunday and disobey verse 19. The Pharisees did that, right? Jesus said that they worshipped God with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. It starts in the heart. It's got to be in the heart. Sing your heart out. The Father is seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. So we've got to sing the spirit, we've got to sing the truth, but we've got to sing in our spirit. God says again and again in His Word that outward worship alone is false worship. So where is your heart? Well, you might say, my heart is sad right now. And it's hard to rejoice. I get that. What's wonderful is that there's all kinds of songs in our Bibles for Christians to sing when they feel sad or hurt or alone or scared. Paul is not saying that we have to be happy all the time. This is not like happy, 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 joy, 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 every second. Think about those psalms. He says, speak the psalms to one another. How about this psalm? Oh, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? That's the first line of Psalm 13. Really catchy, isn't it? Maybe we should sing it next Sunday. Here's the first line of Psalm 22, which we're going to study around Easter time this year. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Do you know who else sang that one? On the cross? Our Lord did. There are lots of songs for Christians to sing when they feel sad, alone, and scared. We call them the songs of lament. And they're potent stuff. Heather and I have a friend who's going through a really hard time right now. And she was struggling to pray. So I sent her Psalm 88 a few weeks ago. Psalm 88 is what is often called the basement of the Psalms. It's the one that ends with the the line, Darkness is my closest friend. And she read that and she prayed it and she said, that's exactly how I feel. Thank you. I love that the Bible has songs that express exactly how we feel and they shape our prayers. Sing from your heart. Sing your heart out. I think the point that Paul is making is that we sing with our whole selves. We don't just pretend and fake it. Don't come and pretend and fake it. Sundays should not be fake. We've got to mean it. And we've got to sing with our whole selves. Here's number three. Sing with an attitude of gratitude. That's from verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Notice it says always. That's constantly. And it also says for everything. Which means that there's always something to be thankful for in every situation, no matter how bad. I wonder about those leader read about the different things in the last 25 years that were trouble for our nation or trouble for our church how many times even in the midst of that the church came together and gave thanks to god and sang thank you god for everything because we know the truth of romans eight twenty eight that i read at the beginning of the service that god is working even the bad stuff to our good doesn't mean it doesn't hurt doesn't mean the bad stuff is actually good stuff but it does mean that i can give thanks no matter what We give thanks today for 125 years of God's faithfulness to our church. 6,500 Sundays of God's faithfulness, week in and week out. 
We can't imagine all the stories that could be told. We're just skimming on the surface on a Sunday like this. Like Lita says, where do I start? Where do I end? Every Sunday, our song should express thankfulness for God's mercies because they are new every morning. Sing it with me. Great is Thy faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, Thy hand hath provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Unto us, right? B. Johnson gave us a little plaque with those words on it. Sits at the end of our hallway. Every, every day when I go down the hallway, I see those words. You know, that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, isn't very old. It's a baby. It was written in 1923. Our church was already 31 years old when that song came out. And God's mercies are much older than that. We have every reason to give thanks to God every time we open our mouths to sing. Especially because of Jesus. And that's our last point, point number four. Sing about, for, and from. You can add as many prepositions as you want. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 20, we do all the singing in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is what our singing is ultimately all about. In the name. In the name means under the auspices of. It means authorized by. It means the driving force behind. It's all about Jesus. You know, you might think that our singing here is a broken record because we keep singing these songs about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I just went through the hymnal. Here's songs we sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Fairest Lord Jesus, lead me to Calvary, beneath the cross of Jesus, when I survey the wondrous cross, the old rugged cross, at the cross, Calvary covers it all, there's power in the blood, nothing but the blood, there is a fountain, wonderful grace of Jesus, grace greater than all my sin, amazing grace, in Christ alone, I could go on and on, and on and on and on and on. If we are a broken record, it's because we've resolved to know nothing while we're together except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Just like those old Swedes who founded this church 125 years ago tomorrow, they sang about, for, and from Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross. They were Trinitarian Christians. They were filled with the Spirit, so they sang songs giving thanks to the Father in the name of the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And today we sing with them to each other, to the Lord, from our hearts with an attitude of gratitude about, for, and from Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen.